So I was on a Zoom call the other day and my audio cut out. I could hear everybody else and I was saying things and their reply was based on trying to read my lips. And I didn't realise that my mic didn't work, but they were replying with complete gibberish. <laughs> and that's where I came up with the idea <laughs> that we should play a game of... Are your passwords right? No. <laughs> me reading out security headlines and one of you guessing what I'm trying to say. So, like, lip reading. Like on camera? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like this. All right, okay. okay. Hang on, let me turn my camera on. Right, okay, so I have some security headlines. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm just going to pull my uh, headphones out of my ears. I can't hear you, so we can just go. It's fine. Okay. Yeah, I, I see thumbs up. Can you read my lips, though? Yes, go. Can I read your lips a little bit or not? Oh, yeah, okay. Here we go. <laughs> right. Okay, yeah, here we go. New attack on Magento. Oh, Jesus Christ. Hang on, give, me, give, me, give it to me again. <laughs> New attack on Magento. Uh, two sheriffs shot a horse in cold blood. <laughs> New attack on Magento. Two cents... Is more than a dollar. Okay. Number two. Two. Yep. Large cloud provider. Uh, a cloud rained on a field. Mm-hmm. Large cloud provider. Oh, sorry. One, one more time. One more time. Large cloud provider. A, a client app set itself on fire. <laughs> Three words. Third one. Third, third one. Here we go. School system hit with ransomware oh uh, a rooster got hit with ransomware oh <laughs> that's close it's close the three again right school system hit with ransomware school children are getting hit with ransomware Th- that's close enough <laughs> close enough all right number four okay, here's the fourth one. security problems for homebound workers <clears throat> again please <laughs> <laughs> security problems for homebound workers oh um Cheesy ham is round and full of words. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I would read that headline. Okay. All right. Cream, I think you can come cream, back now. Cream cheese. Put, 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 oh, put, put the put headphones you. back in. Got it. I got that one. Here we go. Coming back. All right, and we're back. That, that was pretty good, but you got none of those. I thought that I nailed it. You were close with one. You were pretty close with one of them, yeah. Okay. All right. All right, Anna, I think it's your turn. Okay, I'm going to take my headphones off. Okay. Okay, I'm ready. Okay. Zoom brings two-factor authentication. <laughs> Do that again. <laughs> Zoom brings two-factor authentications. Strawberries are like a lovely tree. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is yeah. some slam poetry okay. shit we're writing here. DDoS attacks on education escalate. <laughs> and again. DDoS attacks. On education escalate. Sweaty legs <laughs> on the ledge. <laughs> the first bit was definitely sweaty legs. DDoS attacks on education escalate. Sweaty legs on my nan's hedge. <laughs> <laughs> Sweaty legs on my nan's head. I love it. Oh, I thought it was head. Yeah. I think it went to hedge. It was hedge. Oh, hedge. Okay, well, that changes the meaning considerably. All right, I think think that was a good start to the show. (laughs) It was great. It was perfect. Should we have some Watchtower Weekly? Yeah, let's do it. The first story is is really interesting. Uh, So Apple delays the privacy feature that would let iPhone users keep ad tracking at bay. 
Apple and The Verge is reporting this. Apple is delaying a controversial new privacy feature it's implementing with iOS 14 uh, that will require developers to ask users for permission in order to gather data and track them across mobile apps and websites. So this is the fact that they use a unique identifier and then kind of connect the dots across uh, or, or allow other, uh, other app providers to connect the dots across. And uh, yeah, Apple originally intended to put the feature live and start enforcing its requirements with iOS 14, but it's now giving developers more time to comply with the changes. So Apple has done things like this before. The reason this is getting so much press is because of, of the area in which it's taking place. But this is not unheard of for them to say, well, we gave you a deadline and the majority of people didn't hit it, so we're extending the deadline, but we won't do so again by some date that they will announce developers must have made the change because the way that things work today will stop working at, at that point. So, okay, that's fine. I, I think this is completely fair. Um, it has, however, given some companies a longer time to moan about these changes. Well, yes. Two being one Facebook and two Instagram, both essentially the same company. Oh, so surprising. The CEO of Instagram has taken an odd stance in complaining that this actually harms small business owners. Instagram, of course, not a small business, um, so you don't feel sorry for them when they lose money. But, you know, if he says that this will hurt small businesses, then you kind of feel a bit sorry for them. A and they're saying that Apple has kind of too much power over every single iPhone device that they sell to control advertising across all of them. So that's bad as well. But yeah, it's, it's a really kind of odd stance to take. Well, I know exactly why they do it, because again, you, f you feel sorry for, for them when they say small businesses. What they're trying to say is that, you know, this is not going to end well for the ad business. And I, I completely agree, and I'm fine with that. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's a very interesting balance that they have to strike between, essentially, you can opt into this, right? This is mm -hmm. something that, you know, Instagram adverts, especially, we've, we've spoken about this on the on the last show, but like, you know, you can opt into this and it, it will kind of work when you opt into it. What they're worried about is that no one will opt into it. And, and I think that's a that's probably a fact. Yeah. Yeah. This feels like quite an aggressive move from Apple, but I feel like it's one that's needed. Like we need bold moves to make change and change isn't really happening fast enough. So I'm all for this, really. Yeah, me too. Yeah, I, I, I am for this. I, I can I can see, you know, where Facebook are coming from they've been complaining in the right areas as well you know they were on shows that have stock prices to the left of them and, and that type of thing they said we believe that there's a way to be really responsible and give people control over their data and transparency into their data but without cutting off our understanding and therefore operating blind which when you watch the stock programs and and kind of see facebook is a, a very financially driven company not a kind of user experience driven company you can kind of see like by operating blind he means that they can't track you across the internet i don't think this has anything to do with the immense uh, amount of power uh, as he put that apple have <laughs> no. and, and it's a great time to to shout that as well you know considering uh, other plots against apple yeah I think that between this and the whole thing with Fortnite, they're sort of latching out of the fact that they can attempt to paint Apple with this tyrannical brush. Like, look, they're they're trying to control all of this stuff. When, yes, I am a self-professed Apple fanboy, but, <laughs> you know, I have to think that if you look at privacy sort of being at the heart of their DNA, this is a very natural move. Like, they have enough clout to pull off something like this. 
and do so on the behalf of, of their users. Like, there's nothing in this for Apple, right? At least as far as I can see, there's no reason for them to do this from a financial point of view, other than to say that, like, we fight for the users. We we mm. we want to res- we want companies to respect their privacy, and so we're going to enforce it because we have a big enough platform where we can do so. And also, somebody needs to kind of stand up and take charge here because. We don't have enough policies in place to do this kind of thing. So somebody needs to take the reins and actually start enforcing things. Yep. Yeah, I mean, the, the internet is the Wild West when it comes to this this type of stuff, right? So, I mean, GDPR is a is a step in the right direction, but I, I don't think there's going to be any consensus worldwide about privacy laws for, for quite some time. No, it's kind of playing catch-up. So when it comes down to things like this, it, it really is up to individual companies like apple who you know don't make their money from advertising to try and silo this fingerprinting yeah uh so our next story is the florida team always a a classic description allegedly (laughs) shut down a remote school we're now calling them apparently with a ddos attack Uh, so wired are reporting this i think this is like the modern day graffiti on the bathroom wall kind of thing it's just uh it's seemingly a lot more dangerous yeah except that graffiti on the bathroom wall doesn't prevent people from taking a wee so i don't i don't know (laughs) depends what it says but yeah i suppose yeah somebody quoted here said the software that they use is a modern day equivalent of pulling a school's fire alarm okay that's more accurate yes see matt you should have gone with (laughs) (laughs) wrong metaphor matt wrong metaphor. it's it's fine so the uh the 16 year old teen was accused of launching a cyber attack that helped shut down miami dade's uh online classes using a simple easy to download program to overwhelm the servers of the nation's fourth largest school district. Apparently it was a very simple attack and the district were should have been with able to withstand it, really. The uh, the student admitted to using a tool called Low Orbit Iron Cannon, according to an unredacted arrest report. I mean, that's a, that's a cool name. Yeah. <laughs> uh, experts say it's software. I mean, experts. Expert, wait, experts, experts are saying, saying that it, it's, it's software? software? Wow, Whoa, back crazy. up. Hold on. Uh, <laughs> all right, I didn't finish my sentence. Ex- experts are saying it's software that is easy to download and can be used to disrupt websites. It's the same tool that hacker group Anonymous used a decade ago uh, to cripple companies such as MasterCard, Visa and PayPal. I mean, the fact that a 16-year-old can just go in and download a little bit of software and completely disrupt the school system is pretty... I mean, it's not very shocking, but, you know pretty scary yeah i mean it's it's something that we've spoken about before around kind of the the content that is available on the internet and i remember we were talking about it in the context of google showing or someone buying adverts on the terms that people use to search so in this case whatever low orbit iron cannon is you know the the google search for that would essentially show an advert to try and bring people around to maybe having a career in cybersecurity rather than a, um, mm. you know, the other type of career. Yeah. And there's so much content on places like YouTube and similar that, you know, we're just step by step walk through how to get a Spotify account. It seems harmless enough, but, you know, essentially what you're doing there is is stealing someone else's account. And, you know, just because they have a poor password on it and you're you know, doing some credential stuffing or whatever, that should be treated more serious than I think it is on the on the internet and, and how, you know, you're just able to kind of put that content out there. 
Should we go to the next story? Let's let's go to the next. So the BBC is reporting NSA surveillance exposed by Snowden ruled unlawful. This is really surprising. I didn't see this coming at all. No. The next step for this is is very interesting. I I do wonder whether he ever steps foot back in America. I will be. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, I will be very, very surprised that day. I will be too. So uh, a National Security Agency surveillance program has been ruled unlawful seven years after it was exposed by whistleblower Edward Snowden. You know, this is the type of thing that I would expect to hear from like 50 years from now. Like, remember Edward Snowden 50 years ago? Turns oh, out yeah. he was right. Like, not seven years. Like, holy cow. The surveillance of millions of Americans' telephone records first came to light in 2013. Now the U.S. Court of Appeals has ruled intelligence leaders who publicly defended the program lied. And Mr. Snowden has said he feels vindicated by the ruling. He currently lives in exile in Moscow, but last year expressed his wish to return to the U.S. where he faces espionage charges over his decision to go public. Now, what's going to be interesting about this is, do those charges stand? Because at the time he did it, it technically was espionage. Like, how does this... Is it just simply the act of doing it? Just Yeah. Well, I think the only, the only way that he... Steps foot back in America as a pardon. Well, exactly, yeah. yes. He said, I never imagined that I would live to see our courts condemn the NSA's activities as unlawful and in the same ruling credit me for exposing them. And yet that day has arrived. Yep. 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 So this week uh, for our guest interview, we, this I'm so excited about this one. I really am. We get to talk to Bojang from Privacy.com. We've been working with Bo and team on a pretty cool partnership with Privacy.com. Anna and I spoke to him. What we're probably going to do is just drop it in here. Joining us on the show today is Bo Jang. Bo is co-founder and CEO of Privacy.com and joins us to announce an exciting new partnership between Privacy.com and 1Password. Bo, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. How are you? How are things? Good. We've, you know, gone remote and things are going pretty well with us. We're really excited about this partnership. It's been it's been fun. You and I, you and I have been on a few calls together before this one, and it's been fun to see different people's backgrounds and certainly people that aren't used to working at home. You hear a lot more children and animals in the background or cats walking across keyboards, which is I always get such a kick out of. Yeah, everyone's everyone's kind of got a different setup and you really kind of see the the personalities come out in, in, a, in a fun way. So I think that we need to address kind of the the elephant in the room first before we get started. How exactly did you nab the domain name privacy.com? Yeah, <laughs> that's a good first question. The short story is the domain actually came alongside an early investment in the company. So rewind to 2014, uh, when we were just starting out early in our company's life, we didn't have a lot of capital, but really wanted a nice domain and reached out to a, the gentleman who owned privacy.com. And he wasn't doing too much with it at the time. So we sort of pitched him on what we we're doing. He's a fellow entrepreneur and was really excited by the idea and decided to invest some money as well as the, the uh, domain in the company. So, you know, at the time we didn't think it was like a huge deal, but now when we retell the story to people, folks are like, wow, like someone actually did that? that that's like, you know, super like abnormal from a domaining perspective because um, most folks just say, hey, like, you know, pounds in, we want a million bucks or you know, get out of here. Yeah. So. That's what I was going to say. Like he could have just totally, you know, been a troll about it. <laughs> like I will take a $1 million. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
So that's awesome. So so not only did you get the domain, but you got an, an investor in the company. That's huge, man. That's really, really cool. Yeah, yeah. We were really fortunate that he kind of took this early bet on us. That's really cool. So what is the privacy.com elevator pitch? Like what, what do you guys do? So we make it really easy for anyone to generate a new payment card number on the fly. So for consumers and businesses, you can do this via our apps and website. Uh, and for developers and other companies, you can do so via our API. And one pretty cool aspect of these cards is that you can set all sorts of spend controls, limits, configurations, and restrictions and on spending on them on a per card basis. So the cards have the ability to lock to a merchant. And so if XYZ merchant gets breached, you don't have to worry about updating all your card info and you know that info potentially being used elsewhere at other websites that you shopped at. It's also really good for subscription purchases in case you don't wanna you know, overspend or forget to cancel a subscription, you know, in exactly 28 days. I can't remember what I had for breakfast. How am I going to remember to cancel the subscription in exactly a month's time? The notion is in many ways similar to one password in that you hopefully don't use the same password everywhere. So why do that with your payment info? Yeah, this is either a good thing or a bad thing. But like privacy.com makes it really easy to spend money at like any website you want. As long as you're you are willing to spend the money that you're giving that website to buy the product you want, like you can set that as the spending limit and you don't care what happens to that card number after that. Like it can never be used again if you want. Like it's really, really cool. You get a ton of comfort just out of the gate with it. It's unbelievably cool. Yeah, totally. I mean, I think in a lot of ways it does lower the friction a little bit and that it removes that sort of nagging thought of like, hey, is like, you know, XYZ website going to get breached? I mean, is my info going to be out there? Yeah, for sure. So this is a pretty significant departure from the traditional, like you have a single card number and you use it wherever you want, use it everywhere, and then eventually it gets breached somewhere and then you get a new card number and you use that until the next breach occurs. Privacy is going in a completely different direction here, a much better direction. Can you talk a little bit about the old model and, and sort of like where you see things going from here? Yeah, yeah, for sure. So I think the fundamental issue is that a lot of the existing infrastructure was built, honestly, before the internet was even invented or existed. The concept of like mag stripes and having a static number, you don't really only had to worry about your card info being stolen when someone stole your card and like copied that number down and you know, maybe tried to you know, put it on a different mag stripe. And so this attack vector of you know, data breaches and hackers stealing your credit cards from computers is actually like a relatively new phenomenon from a payments perspective. A lot of this stuff, and you know, there's other things like recurring transactions and subscriptions that like haven't really been a huge thing until like the past decade. So I think a lot of these problems are actually new on the grander scale of things. And payments infrastructure is built to be really reliable and to never go down. One of the trade-offs there is um, it's actually relatively hard to innovate and build quickly. I guess tough to move fast and not break anything. Yeah, I, I get the impression just from anecdotes I've heard here and there and also what you're saying now that bank infrastructure is legacy in the truest sense of the word. Like it is, it is an old school setup. And so trying to make it do new things like this is fairly difficult, like you said, without, without also breaking some things. Can you talk a little bit about how privacy itself works from a technical point of view and like some of the things you were able to do because you were, I'm assuming, building from scratch? Yeah. So 
It's really interesting is we we actually started out thinking the payments world would be relatively straightforward to build on top of and it seemed relatively mature from you know our perspective having like never built payments companies and products before privacy but and so we launched actually on top of a third party uh, payment processor so Oftentimes, you know, we talk about payment processors and, you know, there's the acquiring processor, which folks know about companies like Stripe, Braintree, and, and so on. But there's also like an issuing processor that handles all of the technology behind um, actually generating cards and receiving transactions and keeping track of ledger balances and things like that. And so we, we started uh, the company on, and product on top of a third-party processor, Shogun name, but it was, you know, is over 20 years old now. And, you know, when we started, it was actually a relatively modern player in the space. Quickly as we grew, we ran into scaling challenges because this payment processor wasn't really equipped to handle a lot of the spend controls, you know, multiple cards per account, you know, sort of bells and whistles that we wanted to build from a product perspective. So about three years ago, we actually made the decision to bring all of our own payment processing in-house. So now we do all of our own transaction processing, decisioning, all of our own ledgering, and you know, all of our own settlement. So that's been a huge, huge undertaking for us, but it's definitely been something that has paid dividends over time and has proven to be like a pretty, pretty fruitful investment. That must have been a pretty big decision point in the life of the company to be like, okay, we're taking on all this responsibility ourselves now. Yeah, yeah, it was, it wasn't an easy decision. But you know, ultimately, we kind of saw like, okay, like, we're running into these bottlenecks, these processing errors that, that are sort of the result of being on top of another payment processor that isn't sort of built to do the same thing as us. And we could either try to tough it out and fix these issues and keep having sort of a subpar customer experience, or we can, you know, spend effectively you know, two years to kind of uh, bring this in-house. Um, and so it was it was a very hard decision. There was not a clear right answer at the time, for sure. So getting back to, to sort of like the traditional model versus your model, you know, folks are so used to just having a single card number. Do they tend to understand your service right away? Like, or, or do you find that there's a bit of a, an education period, a a ramp up period for people to understand the benefits of privacy? There's definitely an educational period. People definitely have a lot of questions because the concept just isn't something that's like super mainstream right now. So there, there's a couple of ways we go about it. You know, the first is just making sure that, you know, any basic questions about how it works, how the money flows, you know, does it impact my credit score, which it does not impact your credit score. Like these answers kind of, we try to address very upfront in our FAQ. The second is um, really kind of being diligent about the types of customers that we sort of onboard and focus on. Oftentimes, we find that our customers that really get it are folks that use other security products, you know, like password managers. And so that's sort of an immediate analogy that kind of makes sense. And then I think for, you know, more mainstream use cases, we focus on kind of solving, you know, what is the short-term or immediate pain point that this solves. Maybe it's you want to sign up for a subscription and not forget to cancel it. Maybe it's you want to buy something from a smaller or less well-known website and you're worried about your information getting compromised. And so really sort of anchoring around use cases and you know existing analogies that's kind of how we go about educating and explaining people uh, about the benefits yeah for sure i can i can see that being 
being the best way to to get this forward. Re- regarding the sort of password manager and, and security application angle, that's that's been sort of my go-to internally when I've been talking about our partnership is like, you know, privacy is to credit card numbers what we are to passwords. You know, you can make a strong, unique password for a website with one password. You can make a, a strong, unique credit card number <laughs> for websites with privacy. And everyone's like, oh, yeah, I want that, right? Like it's, <laughs> it's like instantaneous, like, okay, that sounds great. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about how our partnership came about and you know what can we expect from it and you know why is it a good thing yeah so originally we started talking about this podcast like hey like we have you know kind of similar companies doing similar ish things you know one in passwords one in payments it'd be cool to have someone on the one password podcast but pretty quickly realized hey like maybe there's actually something more to this because a bunch of folks on our team are one password fans and i think the same on one passwords side for privacy so we basically set out to see, hey, like, you know, how could we work a little more closely together? And at the same time, we were also launching our API in earnest. And I think y'all had uh, something kind of similar. Not, not. I, I think I'm, I'm maybe um, misremembering this a little bit, but y'all had something that made an integration relatively straightforward on your side as well. So, you know, we, we basically said, hey, like, wouldn't it be cool if one password customers would be able to generate privacy card numbers from within the one password extension? We thought like there'd be a nice mutual benefit there to allow folks to create from the one password extension. Yeah, absolutely. What can someone who starts using one password with privacy expect? Like what's what's the user experience that they'll get out of out of the integration that we've built here? So if you have both a one password and privacy account, you'll essentially be able to link the two accounts together. So you'll be able to automatically create cards on the checkout page with your 1Password extension. And then also the cards will automatically be saved to your 1Password vault. So it's really kind of a much more seamless experience if you're using both products, uh, you know, much in the same way that you're generating a new password, you can also generate a new card number uh, while you're on that checkout page. So it saves you time and also probably will save you money at some point in the future in preventing data breaches and losses from that. Absolutely. Yeah. I love the fact that you've made every feature of privacy available via the API. So, you know, we can set spending limits right at the point of purchase. We can decide if it's going to be a recurring purchase. You can lock it to a specific website, which I think is so cool, right? Like I might be paying on uh, shoesforless.com and buying a new pair of loafers. And I can say like this card number can only be used at this domain. And, you know, from then on out, if I make future purchases there, one password will, will recommend that card number for that website but no others like it's it's a really full featured api i'm pretty excited with everything that that we've been able to build together just sort of on a personal slash professional note it's been really cool to work with all the folks at privacy like you've you've all been really great and and i know that our team on this side has really enjoyed it yeah same here Uh, we've really enjoyed working together too it's been it's been a lot of fun and the product integration just you know works and is really seamless we're all super super excited about it so as you know one password is a canadian company And when we demoed the privacy integration internally during one of our all hands calls, uh, everyone collectively lost their minds. Like it was, it was like, oh my gosh, like this is incredible. When can I get this? And then we sort of had to say, well, you know, for all of us in the U.S., we are going to love this. Do you have expansion plans beyond the U.S.? Privacy is is currently a U.S. only product. Yeah, (laughs) that is that is a great question. We're definitely thinking about it. Canada would definitely be 
sort of one of the first countries that we expand outside of the U.S. to, but we don't have any sort of concrete timelines that we're able to sort of share right now, unfortunately. That's fair. I, I have to imagine that it's a it's a significant undertaking, especially, you know, when you look back at like launches from Apple, even in the past, like a big multinational conglomerate, they don't even launch things at the same time in the U.S. and Canada. It's certainly not payment-based things. So I have to imagine there's a lot of, there's a lot of complication there. Yeah, the, uh, the payments piece really adds a lot of complexity to, uh, to operating in multiple countries. So it's something that we're definitely keen to do, but are, are taking slowly, one step at a time. So do you see any other big opportunities in improving online security and privacy in the future? Yeah, I think there's two big things that I see that are not exactly related, but you know, maybe they are tangentially in some ways. Uh, the first is around usability and accessibility. Now, I think historically, most privacy and security tools have really been pretty difficult to use and not super accessible for your for your average consumer. Uh, you know, I think you all have done a really good job on the password side, but you know, I think in general, privacy and security tools have tended to get a bit of a bad rap from a usability perspective. So I, I think there's a lot of opportunity there. I think the second one is, you know, as companies are being held to higher standards around sort of data privacy and security, tools to make it easier for companies to better protect and secure their customer data, as well as access to their data. So I think those are the two trends or opportunities that I'm personally most excited about in the future. Yeah, absolutely. Do you have any favorite security or privacy tips that you wanted to share with folks? Yeah, you know, <laughs> this isn't just because I'm on your podcast, but I tell everyone the easiest thing that will save you time and headache is to use a password manager. There's a little bit of a you know setup time, but it's faster, it's easier, and it's it's way more secure. You, you really don't have to trade off usability and you know time for security. So that's honestly my favorite tip for, for folks. I mean, we'll take a plug like that on our podcast any day, Bo. You nailed it. Good job. <laughs> so let's wrap it up here. Where could folks go to find out more about what you're up to or the integration with 1Password? So you can check it out on our blog or the 1Password blog. So ours is blog.privacy.com. Check it out on our blogs and on YouTube. Very cool. Well, listen, Bo, thank you so much. It was really fun having you on today. And I can't wait to get this out into, into people's hands. I think that they're really going to get a kick out of this. Yeah, thanks for having me. I think everyone on our site is definitely super excited. And I think our customers will be jazzed too. How about some hashtag Ask1Password? Anything coming in on the Ask1Password hashtag on Twitter this week, Anna? Yeah, we had a lot come in, actually. So we had a lovely email from Kyle who said, Howdy, y'all. Loving the show. And I agree 100% about the 747 floppy disk story being almost a non-issue. That's right. Why would Boeing put any effort and expense into introducing easy attack vectors into something designed to carry hundreds of thousands of people through the air? I mean, not at one time, but yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sincerely excited about 1Password coming to Linux, and I didn't even realise you were putting in a monumental effort to make it just work, trademark, on so many various desktop environments. I don't normally email and ask for stuff, but the idea of comically oversized stickers for something I love and use daily hit me different. If you have any left, I'd really appreciate getting one. Thanks, and thanks for all the work you do on an awesome product. 
P.S. I do have a question for Ask One Password for you too. What are your thoughts on Zoom buying up Keybase.io? I, I hadn't thought about it till he asked. Uh, it, it's an obvious kind of choice for them moving into, you know, security and privacy and, and trying to be a, a bit better. So I, I think really they they brought it up probably as a kind of acquisition-y hire, you know, in subject matter experts kind of position. And I think from the Keybase side, it's probably financial almost certainly yeah yes now the hope with that of course is that zoom takes the key base acquisition and takes their ip and integrates it into the zoom product itself for true like end-to-end encryption and really sort of drastically overhauls their the security model of their product that would be pretty cool um also if anybody else is thinking of emailing us and asking for comically oversized stickers uh <laughs> it's, you know you're gonna have to sell, send a self-addressed envelope but to where well, i'm not saying that because it's my house well exactly so don't say it at all <laughs> it was a great email though i i thoroughly enjoyed it and then we have mac interactive on twitter who asks is there a better way to do pin numbers in one password i'd like to only reveal the digits that my bank requests while we don't do this uh large type is actually a really good way to do that kind of i want the third seventh and 18th character type thing because when you enable large type and, and have it on your screen you can kind of see uh, the numbers underneath them which works out really well nice and then finally we have at disciple dev on twitter who asks hey one password how's that swag store coming along i'm needing some new t-shirts well I guess our standard response to that is we don't yet have a swag store. That's correct, yes. I actually never intend to have a swag store. Uh, we, we had one once, and I think we sold uh, very, very few T-shirts, uh, which which was disappointing. Yeah. Uh, but I think the best way to do it is listen to this show, and occasionally we send out some, some T-shirts. It actually feels like we do it a little bit too much at the moment, because uh, <laughs> I had to go to the post office the other day to send them you out. You weren't best pleased about that one. In pandemic times. I wasn't very happy, no, because if I'm going to get the the old corona somewhere, it's going to be in a post office in Norfolk. <laughs> no one was wearing a mask and everybody was far too close to me. Great. But we are going to send Matt to the post office again because we have another <laughs> giveaway. <laughs> Did we really? We do. Okay, we're giving away some digital only stuff that means Matt doesn't have to go to the post office. <laughs> That's right. That's much better. It's, it's all right. We, we all right. We'll give away T-shirts and and some stickers <laughs> just this once. Okay. So how are we doing, it, Anna? So this week's giveaway is to come up with a theme for play your passwords right, and it's as simple as that. The giveaway closes on the twenty eighth of September. Our favourite will get their theme on the show, and we'll also win some one password swag, including some of those comically large, random but memorable stickers that we've been talking about recently. Oh, interesting. That's a good yeah. one. I like that. Yeah. Uh, yep. So just before we uh, go to play your passwords, right, I, I have a little shout out to a, a member of someone on, on my team uh, who is going away to have a baby. So Louise, who's been doing such a great job on social lately, has, uh, has gone, gone away for some, some time off. So, uh, yeah, Lovely. All, the, all the best to her. Good luck, Louise. A complete surprise, too. Like, it was just like, hey, uh, I'm having a baby next week. So uh, <laughs> see ya. <laughs> Mic drop. I'm out. Oh, that's pretty good. Yeah. 
yeah louise is great and uh all the best all the best to her so i think with that rue you're in charge of play your passwords right this week yeah oh no I didn't. I didn't prepare. I. I just kidding. I prepared the day that we decided I was going to. I felt Anna's wrath for a second there. It reached me here. <laughs> <laughs> so this week, the theme, friends, is Star Wars. Ho ho ho. Yep. And uh, so the first password in Play Your Passwords Right now, for those that are new to the show and need a little refresher, the way Play Your Passwords Right works is I will read out a word. These are all lowercase, all one word, and then for the first word, I will say how many times it has been. Exposed in a breach, as exposed on haveibeenpwned.com. And then we will go to the next one. And and what Matt and Anna have to do is say, has this word been exposed more times or fewer times? More more or less than the one uh, that preceded it. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll just keep going and we'll keep, we'll keep score. Someone else is going to have to keep score, okay? Or you know what? Keep track of your own scores. And then at the end, we'll, we'll see what we got. There's 10 of them. Uh, the first one is Star Wars. Star Wars, all one word, all lowercase, has appeared in breaches 180,216 times. So Yeah, that, that's not as much as I thought it would be. I thought it would be higher, honestly. Oh, all right, all right. The next word is Darth Vader. Higher. Yeah, I'm going to go higher as well. Okay, great. You're both wrong. Oh, a lot less. <laughs> oh, dear. 11,000. 610 times, so uh, over 100,000 times less. No points for us there then, Matt. Nope. So now we're going to go to the birthplace of Darth Vader and and Anakin Skywalker, uh, the planet Tatooine. Oh, definitely definitely less. less. It's got to be. Less than Darth Vader, you think? Yeah. Okay, great. Uh, You both give yourselves a point because that's correct. 1,394 times. So now we're going to jump to the best movie in the series. That's right. Come at me, nerds. Return of the Jedi. Has that been... <laughs> You're going to cause a lot of stir there. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to get so much email. You send your emails to Anna at com. okay? She will field all of those. Great. Uh, Return of the Jedi, more times or less times than, than the planet Tatooine? More. Yeah, more. More? Yeah, I, I would have thought so as well. Nope, 44 oh. times. What? It's completely, yeah, That's I know. practically a good password. Yeah, I know. All right, next up, we have best pilot in the galaxy, made Kessel Run in less than 12 parsecs, uh, killed by Kylo Ren in the new movies. That's right. If you didn't watch them, that's a spoiler for you. Oh, dear. Han Solo, more times? Or less times. More, more times. times, yeah. Definitely more times than 44, yeah. Yeah, you got to go more times than 44. 10,066. Oh, I did not see it coming that high, though. Just underneath Darth Vader, there. It's true, it's true. All right, uh, we are now jumping back to the, uh, the beginning trilogy, episodes one through three. Everyone's favorite character, Jar Jar Binks, secretly a Sith, I've heard. Uh, Jar Jar Binks. Have, have more people used Jar Jar Binks as a password than Han Solo or, or no. less? Less. Definitely less. Oh, I'm going to go more. Oh, more. Yeah, just yeah. To, to mix it up a bit. All right, all right. So um, it's it's definitely less. Uh, Jar Jar oh. Binks, only 790 <laughs> exposures there. Because I feel like if you're a Star Wars fan enough to want it as your password, you are against Jar Jar Binks. It's true, yes. Yeah. All right, let's jump back to Han Solo We'll go with a catchphrase. Never tell me the odds. All one word, all lowercase. Mm. More times mm. than Jar Jar Binks or less? No. Less. less. It's got to be. Less. It's obscure. Interesting. Interesting. You're correct. It's 10. 
Only ten. I'm very disappointed. Okay, I'm very disappointed in that one. Well, let's go. Let's go with another another phrase common throughout the entire series. Uh, May the force be with you. All one word, all lowercase. Oh, that's gonna be high. Yeah, that's definitely more. Yeah. I thought you were gonna go with the other hand solo one of like, don't get excited. (laughs) Or who's scruffy looking? So, (laughs) may the force be with you. Not much more than Never Tell Me the Odds. Oh, yeah, yeah. Clocking oh. in at 94. All right. Now we're going to go a little deeper. What about TK421? Okay. TK421, why aren't you at your post? What are we thinking here? So it's just TK421. This, I, I'm, I'm not sure I understand the reference here. This is... Uh, uh, it's from the original movie uh, when... Oh, he was a stormtrooper. Okay. Han and Luke are trying to, to rescue rescue Leia from the Death Star. This is definitely less. I knew where I heard this from, but, like, there is no chance that there is more. Yeah. I've never heard this, so I'm going less. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. That's fine. Uh, 1,085 <gasps> TK421. That's right. Watch all the Star Wars films again. Star Wars nerds dig deep for their obscure passwords. Damn. That is wild. Yep. I guess yep. if you add a, like, a, you know, a number to it and... No, it's not long enough. Like, how, what sites are accepting that? <laughs> I know. Okay. It's fascinating, this is, this it? is This is surprising to yeah, me. Yeah, good. That's what I was hoping. All right. Last one. And by the way, I hope that everyone realizes that I am a giant Star Wars nerd. So when I say, come at me, <laughs> nerds, you know, that is meant in the friendliest possible way. Uh, the last one on the list, all one word, all lowercase, you're my only hope. I thought it was going to be like Greedo shot first or something. <laughs> I, less. Definitely less. Yeah, I'm going to go less as well. Less than TK421. Really? For the thing that is like one of the most common phrases in in all of Star Wars. You're now. trying to heavily persuade us to go yeah, the I'm other way, saying. so I'm sticking. I'm just saying. All right, fine. Uh, the answer is zero. It has never been exposed. That's right. That's actually a good password, and if you're not using it today, you should. No, don't. That's terrible <laughs> advice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't use that. But no, zero. I was so surprised. So there we go. Uh, Ten up, ten down. What are we thinking? Who comes out ahead here? I think Matt got more right there. I I wasn't counting. What? Sorry, I didn't count points at all. You're supposed to keep track of your own points. (laughs) We'll let them roll over to next week. That's the best thing to do there. But we don't know how many we've got. <laughs> what are you rolling over? You didn't keep track. They'll they'll just roll over to next week. It'll be fine. Everyone's a winner. God, I spent so much time making this good, and then you people just screwed it over right at the end. Let's say, like, 250 points, Matt. Yeah. yeah? I think that's a solid, solid effort. Yeah, great. I'm never doing this again. <laughs> I can't believe it. Great effort, Ray. Thanks. I think I think that's probably the best play your passwords right we've ever oh, had oh i i i agree tk421 that was uh i i need some investigation into that because i mean it's it's no dobby sock but i mean i inserted some drama into this like really <laughs> you took this segment and rolled with it i liked it <laughs> oh I, i'm glad you both let me down incredibly but that's okay. i uh need to go swat up on my star wars knowledge yep. mainly yep all right uh that brings us to the end any closing closing remarks here folks um I am your father. (laughs) All right. Love you both. Love you both. Love you guys. Bye-bye.